principles and this vision in place. That brings us to Psalm 119, the Mount Everest of the Bible, as we have referred to it. And uh, I know that our time is a little bit limited tonight, but that's okay. We've had some wonderful music already, and uh, what a blessing it has been already to be here. But let's work our way through this next stanza of Psalm 119, looking at verses 33 through 40. You'll notice the stanza has the subtitle, H-E, and I do not know the Hebrew pronunciation, he or he, uh, we might just refer to it as he from an English uh, standpoint, but this is the letter of the Hebrew alphabet that will be the start of each of the verses of this stanza of this psalm. So verse 33 of Psalm 119, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy word unto thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. Turn away my reproach which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. So we see, first of all, in this psalm, that we should practice biblical discernment. We, as believers, must be discerning believers. Discernment is a real lacking quality among believers today. I don't know what all of the factors are other than a lot of it just comes down to a lack of Bible knowledge, a lack of Bible study, a lack of good theological principles and theological training, maybe a combination of all those factors we could get into the the lack of good scriptural teaching and preaching in some churches. We could get into the lack of instruction from the Bible at home, the lack of godly examples, whatever it ultimately comes down to. People are not being trained up in the Word of God, so there is a lack of biblical discernment. We see this all the time in evangelicalism sometimes, broader evangelicalism, those who would claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, it is sometimes said that broader evangelicalism is a mile wide and an inch deep. And it's sad when Christians are like children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. And I have uh, made it a point here at Brian Baptist Church as your pastor to shepherd you and to feed the flock of God. And I know that I can get a little bit carried away with this, but I, I not just love to preach the Word of God, but I am very, very burdened that our people grow, that our congregation grows, that when they come to church, they get fed with not just the milk, but the meat of the Word. So again, our activities, our uh, events... Uh, various ways in which we exercise our fellowship as believers is often centered around the teaching and the preaching of God's Word. We're, we're not here to just be a social center, to be the Lions Club or the Optimist Club or the Navy Club or 
the Kiwanis or whatever is out there. We're not just a social get-together. We are a body of Christ, a local assembly, and we are to be, be, we are to be equipped by the Word of God to do the ministry. And that is a major burden and part of the call that God has given me to equip you as believers. And that means I must feed the flock of God. You must come for a good meal each and every time you come and not just be getting cotton candy and elephant ears like you could at the fairgrounds. So practicing biblical discernment means that we must ask God to teach us the way of his statutes. We need to ask God, like the psalmist, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. We have to make this a prayer. Lord, teach me. I have many, many, many times through my life prayed, Lord, teach me. I have often claimed, Psalm 32, 8, instruct me and teach me in the way in which thou shalt go. Guide me with your eye upon me. We need the instruction of the word of God to know the way that we should go. And God gives us wisdom. God gives us sense. We've just talked about that with the application of the security team and applying the principles of the word of God to reasonable, common sense, protective measures for our church. That could apply to hundreds of areas of our church. But for many people who claim to be Christ followers, it's as if they have six days a week or six and a half or six and three quarters days of the week to go and kind of do whatever they want and to live however they want and they'll give Jesus an hour a week and that's all that they need to give him and they have patted themselves on the back and they've given themselves a participation trophy and they feel like they've done enough for the Lord and they can then live however they want the rest of the week. That is not at all what we see in the heart of the psalmist. He is saying, teach me, Lord, the way of thy statutes. In other words, the way of his statutes is literally the power and the authority behind the laws that God has given us as he directs our way. So statutes have to do with God's power and God's authority behind the laws that direct our way, that give us the responsibilities that we have for living for the Lord, for living out this life. We can go a little further here and talk about in this next verse, verse 34, give me understanding and I shall keep thy law, yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. And we see this word understanding. This word understanding, again, has to do with discernment. It has to do with prudence. It even is used, the word cunning is sometimes used uh, in the translation of this word in the original language. So let's put these two verses together for a moment in understanding this practicing of biblical discernment in the way of his statutes in this understanding that we must have. We, we, we can think of it this way. God... God's word, God's commandments, God's statutes, they mark out the way that we should go. It describes the path that we should take. 
and it ordains and orders what we should do. So, I don't know about you, but I have driven some mountain roads down in North Carolina near the wilds. There are some twisty, turny mountain roads. Now, some people have the enjoyment of taking a motorcycle, like a Harley, and driving, I don't know, there's different names for, I don't know, it's the dragon's tail or something down there. I have no desire to drive a motorcycle on the dragon's tail or whatever they call that down there by the Blue Ridge Parkway. No desire. But I'm so thankful one time when it was pouring down rain and Kelly was at a retreat at the wilds and I was coming back from Greenville and I was driving through the mountain roads of North Carolina and the stripes on the side of the road and the stripes in the middle were all reflective and they had the extra little reflectors so I could see every lane in the pouring down rain and I knew where my exit was and I knew where the lanes were as I was doing this kind of thing on the mountain roads. God's word marks the path of our life. Marks the path of our life, describes the path that we should take and ordains and orders what we should do. That means the word of God is instrumental. It is a regular, daily part of our lives, so much so that we are living every day of our lives according to God's path, looking for God's description of the path. His word marks the boundaries. His word describes the path and ordains and orders what we should do. That means the word of God has to be extremely important and vital and a regular integral part of our life each and every day. Spurgeon, Spurgeon said it this way in his commentary on this psalm. As we look at Psalm 119 and we come down to verse 34 again. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Spurgeon refers to this verse in the second half of this verse. I shall observe it with my whole heart. He uses the word, he uses the phrase, attend to, protect, preserve, to keep. As he describes this word, observe. I am observing the word of God. I am attending to, I am preserving, I am keeping the word of God as my focus, as my priority, as the primary principle and guiding principle of my life. So I go back to in my own life, I go back to my mom and dad who got saved out of broken homes. Not having good examples growing up, my grandpa was a drunk, an alcoholic, who died when I was just a baby from cirrhosis of the liver and multitudes of other alcohol-related diseases. And I go back to my home, to my family, and I think of my mom and dad who decided and determined that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And growing up, my mom and dad would often bring scripture to our lives 
to our home, to decisions that we would make, to difficulties that we would have, to obstacles, to various health issues and financial issues. I always knew that my mom and dad were trying to, with, with God's help, to the best of their ability, to apply scriptural principles so that they were honoring the Lord with everything that they did. Even if honoring the Lord meant that I had to get a big old whooping. Because they wanted to honor the Lord and not see their son grow up to be a brat and a rebel. And I'm thankful for that guiding principle. I didn't appreciate it so much at the time, but I'm thankful for that. And that guiding principle is what the psalmist is talking about. The word of God, teach me, O Lord, so that I know the way to go. I understand and I have discernment. I know the boundaries and I am following your will and you are ordaining and you are ordering my life. That is the psalmist's heart in verses 33 and 34, that we would practice biblical discernment. I already mentioned the word observe. I forgot to put the note on the screen. But secondly, we see not only should we practice biblical discernment, but we must follow the path marked by God's word. I know this is a little bit repetitive, a little bit redundant. But verse 35, make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. So we're going to see in this paragraph here, we're going to see that there is the warning in verse 36 of covetousness. And in verse 37, there's going to be the warning regarding vanity. As we are on this path marked by God's word, boundaries set by God's word, as we are understanding the path and using biblical discernment to exercise our faith, to live out this life, to do as God ordains and has ordered according to his word, we are going to find that God's word is providing the boundaries that we need for his glory and for our good. Again, I've talked about stripes on the road, but let's take it a, another, to another analogy. What organization doesn't have some sort of policies, rules, or some sort of code of conduct? Every organization does. You can go to the mall, you can walk through the mall, and there is a big sign that says, Code of Conduct. I've been in the Indianapolis Colts locker room, and I've seen the big sign that warns the players. It gives them a code of conduct. Now it has to go even further because they have opened up this gambling, and you can now gamble on your phone and all these sports gambling, and one of the Indianapolis Colts just got in trouble for gambling on Colts games, I guess, or NFL games at least. I think we've just, that's just the tip of the iceberg of that problem. Rules, boundaries, every organized game has boundaries. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a sports fan. There is no fun in a game of 21 down at the basketball court when it's just a bunch of guys hacking each other and it's 
well, no blood, no foul. I, I don't particularly enjoy basketball when every time I drive into the lane, I get my head taken off. So I would play games like that down the street, and I learned I had to perfect my jump shot because if I went into the lane being a little scrawny uh, kid, I would get harmed <laughs> as I went into the lane. So I had to learn to shoot the jump shot. So they would let me go out and I would start hitting threes and make it, take it. And next thing I knew, I had 11, 12, 13 points. Then they'd come guard me. It was, it was fun. But street ball is not as much fun as an organized game where there's referees and there's enforcement of the boundaries, enforcement of the rules. My sister and I, we would play two on, I mean, one-on-one baseball in the backyard. You say, how do you do that? You ever heard of ghost men? You have ghost man on first and ghost man on second, and then we'd get into an argument because I would hit a home run. But she would say, no, you, you only got to first base. But my ghost man scored. No, the score is not. And what happens? Well, who's there to enforce the rule? What are the rules? You play board games. You play all kinds of games. It's not just sports. There are boundaries. There are rules. It's not fun if there aren't boundaries, if there aren't rules, if there aren't guidelines. It gives order to the game. God has designed, God has ordered, God has created this universe and given moral rules, right and wrong, good and evil, for our good, for His glory. And those boundaries bring freedom and liberty in Christ. It is sin that brings bondage. It is sin that brings the guilt. It is sin that brings the burden. It is living in obedience to, the, to, the, to the, the, the rules of life, to God's commands, to God's principles. It's living within the boundaries that God has set for us that makes life meaningful, that ultimately brings glory to God, that ultimately we see God honor and God bless. We can go down even further here in this passage and we see the warning regarding covetousness. God's commandments defend against covetousness. So why is the psalmist going to refer to covetousness and then to vanity? What do God's commandments, what do God's boundaries, what do God's rules, his statutes, his commandments, his word, what does it do? It focuses our life on the eternal. It focuses our vision and our view on that which is above. Set our affections on things above. Seek first the kingdom of God, the preeminence of Christ. We see those warnings, we see those principles, we see those commands all throughout the New Testament, all throughout Scripture, all the way back to the Mosaic Law and in the book of Leviticus and the principles of the Mosaic Law and the reference to the holiness of God. What do the principles of the word of God, the commands, the statutes, the word of God point us to, points us to God and points us to the eternal. And what does Satan do? What is, our, what is his deceptions in our lives? They're often to bring us to a temporary status of what we can accumulate right here for right now, for instant gratification, for selfish gain, 
to the point that now we are living in a culture of expressive individualism where everybody is looking within, looking inside. What does that only turn us to? turns us to the deceit of our heart, to the depravity of our heart, and we see that now being lived out in our culture. I was, again, following softball, baseball. It's that time of year. You have the collegiate softball and the collegiate baseball tournaments, national tournaments going on. And uh, was uh, someone in the church here shared this with me, and I had been following it a little bit online and through some Christian podcasts. And the Oklahoma University ladies softball team, they did a press conference and all three of the girls that were up there and the coach talked about how they were playing the game of softball for the joy of the Lord with their focus on Christ and not upon themselves and talking about their joy in the game of softball ultimately coming from the Lord and that they were going to play to the best of their ability. They were going to play their, their hearts out but ultimately with their focus on Christ. And they presented the gospel and they gave a, a testimony of the truth. And it was interesting because ESPN, I, I follow sports, so I'm on their website and on their app from time to time. And it's interesting, that never made the headlines. That press conference, uh, it got buried deep. You had to go to Twitter or some other place to find... But it wasn't on the ESPN headlines. No, the ESPN headlines are about some pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays who shared on social media about the boycotts of Target and the other organizations, and he got kicked off the team. He got uh, cut from the team because he shared those things. That's what makes the headlines. But here are some ladies playing softball who had a vision of what is eternal and playing for the glory of God, and I don't know all their testimonies and all their individual private lives and all that, but I at least give them the, 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 the honor, I give them credit for standing up or sitting there in that press conference and pointing to the Lord and, and giving the gospel as best they could in that situation to those ESPN and, and other, other reporters. And my, my point again is, what defends us against the covetousness and the vanity of this world? It's the eternal truths, commandments, and principles of the Word of God. It takes our soul, it takes our life away from all of the temporary, temporal, lustful, fleshly, passing pleasures of sin. It takes our mind and our thoughts and our desires away from those and puts them on God, on the eternal, and on loving others and on sharing the gospel and ministering to those who are around us. So we come to a close, four points under this last point on focusing on, the righteous, on, focusing on righteousness as defined by God's word. Four quick principles. We, we spoke to verse 37 already, vanity. This word vanity means emptiness. It literally can be a reference to a mirage, maybe a hallucination. Turn our hearts away from the mirage, the hallucinations of this world. Because isn't that where 
our society is going, as there is more and more vanity, more and more entertainment, more and more opportunity for us to have instant gratification at our fingertips. Our attention spans, as I've said before, are already less than that of a gnat. <laughs> I think averages of attention spans now are under eight seconds for people. That's pretty sad. I mean, that means that my kids aren't even listening to me eight seconds into my first statement, right? <laughs> but we are so distracted. We, we, we don't even listen to each other anymore because we're on our phones. And we don't hear and we don't receive. It's so discouraging sometimes because we're so distracted by so many different things that have some, em, such emptiness. But now with this AI and the virtual reality, there is now on the horizon, and it's $3,500 away, your own goggles that will take you into a virtual world and you can have everything that you can possibly imagine on a big screen, virtual screen in front of your eyeballs and it's fingertips and voice recognition away. Everything that the world has to offer, it's right there at my fingertips for just $3,500. And I can totally absorb myself into my own world and push away all of the realities of life and live in an entertainment VR world. Vanity. Turn me away from that. Lord, with your word, point my heart to that which is eternal, to that which matters, to that which sticks, to that which really means in God's eyes what is true, what is right, what is just, what is pure. We're to think on those things. And that means we love and we serve people and we fear God. Verse 38, establish thy word unto thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. That two sides of the coin of the fear of God, to not do what displeases him and to do what pleases him. A reverence for God and also a fear of the consequences of disobeying God. And then reproach, verse 39, avoid it. Turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. What did the psalmist fear? He feared a reproach that would bring a repute upon his testimony for the Lord. He did not want to do anything. He did not want his life in any way to bring reproach on the name of his God. He did not want his testimony to be ineffective a reproach can be anything that harms or mars our testimony, that reduces our effectiveness for the Lord, or that hinders our evangelism. And we need to turn away from reproach, from that which would harm our testimony, that would ultimately cause disrepute or cause reproach to be on the name of our God, of our Savior Jesus Christ. And then we see that we're to live in righteousness. Verse 40. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. Living in righteousness. Notice the word there, quicken, appears again. We looked at that last week, back in the previous paragraph. That word quicken is also translated revive. 
quicken and revive, to make alive again. Notice what the psalmist says as we bring this to a close. I have longed after thy precepts. I've longed after them. I have desired them. As the, I believe it um, was, uh, was Job who said, your word is more than my necessary food. Does our, our, our desire for the word of God match that of our desire for food and the other uh, meals that we enjoy in life? Do we have a greater desire for the word of God than even those delicious meals that we uh, enjoy uh, so regularly? But he says that in verse 40, that as I long after your precepts, Quicken me in thy righteousness. What makes us alive? What revives us? The righteousness of God. Seeing him high and lifted up. Seeing our God exalted. Seeing him for who he really is. And seeing ourselves as the humble, unworthy, dependent people that we are. Recognizing that. That's what makes us alive. That's what quickens us. That's what revives us. Sadly, what often is called revival today is not about God and seeing myself little before a holy God. It's about me exalting myself, me having an experience, me getting attention, me having some sort of emotional fit. And then that is considered what revival is. No, the psalmist says revival comes, quickening comes. We are made alive by his righteousness. The righteousness of God which is declared in his word and seeing ourselves before a holy God. That we might live out that righteousness and be holy as he is holy. So we see here in this psalm. In this paragraph, in this stanza, that we must practice biblical discernment, we must follow the path marked by God's word, and we must focus on righteousness as defined by the word of God. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the wonderful music that we enjoyed tonight. Thank you for the fellowship that we've already had. and We thank you, Lord, for the privilege to worship you through the word of God, through the preaching of your word. Lord, I pray that we will take these principles, that we will live them out this week. Lord, in a wicked world full of evil and sin and deadness, Lord, may we have a testimony of life, of righteousness, of holiness. Lord, as our desire and our longing is for your precepts, as our focus is upon the eternal, Lord, may we... Give glory to your name. Give us opportunities with the word of God this week to share the gospel. Give us opportunities, Lord, to be a testimony and a witness for Jesus Christ and help us to live out our days for your your honor and for your glory in the light of these principles, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Derek is going to come and lead us.